Hi everyone, welcome to Rock Bottom Syndicate. I'm your host, Joyce Strong. Rock Bottom Syndicate is about people who have a story to tell to inspire others to consistently, persistently pursue their potential. Rock Bottom is an opportunity to learn, change course, and tell your story to help yourself and help others. Your secrets are the prisoner of your emotions. Ask for help, tell your story. I have as my guest today, Elizabeth Lee Bradley. Hi, Elizabeth. Hello. Thank you so much for coming. Well, thank you for having me. I'm looking forward to hearing you tell your story today. Well, thank you, yes. And just so the audience knows, Elizabeth is from Everyday Caregivers, mm -hmm. and you can find her at everydaycaregivers.com. Um, and she's going to be uh, going on the Totally Well show to tell us more about what she does in this business she's created. But it was born out of um, some um, tough times in her life. And so I'm going to um, have you take over. I'd like to hear a little bit about who you are, where you're sure. from, your family, and what you do for work or did previously. Oh, sure. Yeah. So I'm originally from Oklahoma. Oh, you are? I am, yes, yeah. in a little town called Muskogee, Oklahoma. Yeah. And I moved to the Northeast, oh my goodness, probably about 24 years ago now for school to study marriage and family therapy. It's yeah. something that I've wanted to do almost my entire life. I think it was around the sixth grade when I first discovered psychology and therapy and opportunities to help people grow and become a better version of who they were. Mm -hmm. And so I just began, got on that path and found myself in Springfield, Massachusetts, studying mm -hmm. to become a marriage family therapist. And after I graduated, I worked with inner city families who were having challenges with their kids and doing in-home work, which was really exciting. Found myself in Connecticut, Mm -hmm. where I currently live in Ellington, Connecticut, and I've continued pursuing therapy in um, relation to families. And I became the chief clinical officer of a mental health and substance abuse agency down in Southern Connecticut, while at the same time teaching at various universities within Connecticut and Massachusetts, helping the new population of therapists become born. Are you still doing that job? I am not. Okay. No, yeah. no. I have uh, left both the um, nonprofit sector and the education field to pursue, pursue my efforts in helping caregivers. Um, and which leads me to why I'm here today. Life was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Life was You're fantastic. Married. I am married. Uh, no I was married in 2009. I do not have any children. My husband has a son from a previous marriage. Yeah. Um, and life was wonderful. I was doing everything I had set out. I'm a little bit of a type A person. So yeah. every six months I kind of sat down and mapped out my goals and how I was going to achieve them and just kept progressing in life. Uh, as scheduled, right? Yeah. yeah. And then well, I think there's a saying that goes something like, if you want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. So I just kind of got a little bit in that space of just, you know, this is life unfolding as I expected it to. And like many families in America, my family is no different. 
we have been struck by mental health and mm-hmm. substance abuse. And so I, I've been a caregiver for a very good many years. If I could repeat that and say, you know, in correct English, <laughs> say I've been a caregiver for many years of my life. So this was with your family of origin? Family of origin. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and I was co-caregiving with my mom, mm-hmm. uh, who was back in Oklahoma and me being in the Northeast. And then as the years progressed, my mom started to have age-related medical conditions. Who were you caring for before your mom? So my youngest brother is an addict mm-hmm. and has been uh, an addict for a very long time mm-hmm. and was in and out of rehab um, for a good amount of his life. And so my mom and I were continuously, me being a therapist, the therapist in the family, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, my mom was, had, as one would expect, developed depression as a result of that. Um, and some other family members um, had been experiencing some, some major depression. Mm-hmm. And so we were trying to manage all of those different situations within the family. Mm-hmm. And we were able, for the most part, to, to handle them as they arose. Mm-hmm. And as a team, worked on them together. Uh, but it was the core primary caregivers were my mom and I. Mm-hmm. During that time, my mom took the brunt of caring for my dad's parents, um, both of whom had cancer. Mm-hmm. And then um, my mother's mother um, passed due to natural causes. Um, she died in her 90s. Mm-hmm. And it was a span for her of about 20 years of literally every day caregiving for people that she loved dearly and mm-hmm. that she would, you know, she wanted to help take care of. And then I would be her sounding board and pick up. In those moments when she was exhausted and wasn't able to do things, I'd fly back home um, and kind of pick up where she left off in that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And then as a result, after my mother's mother, my grandmother, um, passed away, I started to notice my mom not doing all that great. Mm-hmm. And then in 2017, in February of 2017, I got a call from my mom who was very upset and saying that she went in for a procedure or for a doctor's visit and they told her that it's likely that she needs to have open heart surgery. Mm. Yeah. And that was tough, you know. Um, And so it was just like, okay, what do we got to do? You know, you jump back into this. What's the plan? How are we going to work this out? And at the time, I had just, um, I had no longer been in the nonprofit, and I was just teaching um, psychology at the University of Hartford. Mm -hmm. And I went to my department chair, and I was like, how can I be there for my mom? and yet not be physically present. And I was very fortunate in that he worked alongside of me to help get my classes transitioned from being in the classroom to being online. Mm -hmm. But that meant I was recording, you know, I think it ended up being 60 pre-recorded lectures between that time and the end of the semester, um, setting up protocols for exams, office hours online, and all while still trying to do my 
normal responsibilities. And then taking a look at what did I need to do to get my personal life, because I was going to have to leave my husband here in Connecticut. He couldn't obviously take the time off. He also teaches at the University of Hartford. And, um, you know, what are we going to, what personal life things need to be resolved? So from February until the beginning of April was morning, noon, and night, seven days a week, trying to get all of that prepared. Mm -hmm. And beginning of February, I got in my car, packed up my car, because I knew I'd have to live with her before the surgery, obviously during the surgery and after the surgery. And so I packed up my car and got on the road. And while I was on the road, it just finally dawned on me, what if my mom passed? What if my mom dies? Mm-hmm. What am I gonna? What am I gonna do? Like, I, how do you have that conversation with your mom? Like, you don't want to put thoughts in her head that this isn't going to be anything but successful, mm-hmm. right? Um, but you also want to honor her wishes. Mm-hmm. Should she not make it through the surgery? So that just occupied my entire drive. And I ended up driving 13 hours um, both days, arriving in Oklahoma uh, within two days of setting out from Connecticut. And I just kind of went into automatic mode. And honestly, I pushed it aside. I had decided that I just wasn't going to have that conversation. Luckily, my mom and I have a very close relationship. So I felt like I could honor her without having that conversation. Now, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. And I'm very fortunate that she survived the surgery. Mm -hmm. But that was the first instinct that I just thought, this might not go well. Mm -hmm. It didn't go well in a completely different way than I had ever, I I could have never imagined this. um, Because I went in thinking all about my mom. Mm -hmm. You know, my mom was visibly upset. Um, she was an emotional wreck. She was crazy nervous as mm-hmm. anybody would sure. going into this. And so I just focused everything on her and keeping her calm, making sure that she only saw confidence coming from me, right? This is going to be fine, mom. Everything's going to be wonderful. It's mm. just another surgery. They've done this a million times. And Luckily, like I said, for us, she made it through the surgery and she made it through with flying colors, which was great. Mm -hmm. In fact, there's a couple of levity moments after the surgery when she was in the ICU. She was on heavily medicated (laughs) and having lots of fun (laughs) with everybody, flirting with the nurses, the male nurses, which... um, was new to me. I had never seen my mom flirt at yeah. all, ever. Oh, She's just funny. not that type of person, yeah. right? And she was, one of the male nurses came in and she was all like, oh, when I get out of here, you want to go have drinks? And I'm like, <laughs> you don't even drink, mom. I've never <laughs> seen you drink. Like, what? Anyway, she had all of us in stitches, which was great. And it was good to see that from her. Um, but the real work started when we got home. Yeah. And I don't know if you or if anybody else has had to take care of someone who's had open heart surgery, but they are, they can't do anything Mm -hmm. for themselves and they can't push, pull or lift more than 10 pounds, which I have learned in reference point is about a gallon of milk. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) They can't, um, 
take a shower. You know, they can't be left alone to take a shower because they can't lift their arms more than 90 degrees. And so they can't really take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. um, and at night, she needed help getting out of bed, going to the bathroom, doing all of the normal things that we take for granted. Mm -hmm. And while I have siblings at home in Oklahoma, mm -hmm. I was the one that came from Connecticut. I'm the only girl, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so it was just normal, or society tells us it's normal for the female of the family to, to step in and do some of the caregiving. And that was, that was our family. And so morning, noon, and night, I was helping my mom live. Mm -hmm. And it was the honor of my life. My mom is my best friend. Mm -hmm. There is nothing on this earth, still to this day, that I wouldn't do for her. Mm -hmm. But I didn't consider or plan for any of the effects on me. Mm -hmm. And about two months into it, I started to have a really, a reaction that I never saw coming because this is the person that I would do anything in this world for. It's, and it sounds like you spent a lot of time um, boxing your feelings mm -hmm. and not paying attention to them and putting right. on an act to be the supporter right. Right. without any respite. Right. Being the educator that I am, of course, you know, I was researching vigorously before getting to Oklahoma how to take care of someone who has open heart surgery, right? And yeah. so I wanted to be that really good caregiver that my mom has been for so many of us in our family. Mm -hmm. And... I never saw her break down once in her caregiving. She would tell me she's exhausted or, you know, I could when she was depressed, that just made sense to me. Of course you're going to be depressed. Your son is an, is an addict and you can't you, what you're doing isn't helping him. Mm -hmm. Right? He's not in a place where he is receiving that help. Mm -hmm. And so those things made made sense to me. But here my mom was being the perfect patient, mm -hmm. right? And I was following all of the orders myself, right? Yeah. Being that type A dutiful daughter. And so when I started to have this reaction of um, being angry that I was the only one mm -hmm. there, being angry that nobody stepped in Mm -hmm. to say, hey, let's, you need a break, right? Go <laughs> to a hotel, <laughs> get some sleep, yeah. right? Um, my husband is one of the kindest people I have ever encountered in my life outside of my mom. And for him, he, he was like, I'm coming down and I'm going to give you a break. And I was like, oh, Thank goodness, right? My knight in shining armor. And he came down and I picked and I was trying to ask for help while I was gone so I could spend time with my husband to um, for others to step in and help take my mom to doctor's appointments, just visit with her so she wouldn't get lonely and because mm -hmm. all of the studies, right, learning about how loneliness can negatively impact recovery and your internal organs and things like that. And I, it was met with, well, it's not really good for us to take time off from work right now, or the kids have this going on, or we have this trip planned. And then you talk about family dynamics, right? They're, um, we 
just like many families in America, there there are some family members who don't get along with other family members, and so trying to manage that, mm-hmm. right, um, became a barrier and a challenge. And so it was just like, well, I need a break, so I'm going. But then I went to go pick up my husband, and the moment he got off the plane, he's telling me all of his stressors oh. in life, <laughs> and I'm just like. I literally pulled over to the side of the road and I I said some few choice words and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> really? I've just spent months without any help, any support, taking care, basically helping my mom live, yeah. making sure that she survives. And <laughs> my husband took me to, you know, so he was kind of like, oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we we were um, staying at a hotel, and I, that night I get a call from my middle brother, and he's like, have you talked to mom today? And I'm like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Haven't you? Well, I just did. She, she sounds really nervous. Maybe because someone's not there for her. How about you go and and spend some time with her and 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 help her do some daily things, right? And he's like, oh, well, it's just not really good to to take time off from from work right now. Oh wow. Now I want to I want to stop for just a second to say, my brothers are amazing people. It just it's not ingrained in them mm-hmm. to to see my mom like this and to interact with my mom like this. But I'll get back to that in a second. So my husband is still every day, oh, let's go here, let's go there. And I'm like, I just want to sleep. I feel like I haven't slept because my mom (laughs) would call me on the cell phone whenever she needed to get out of bed to go to the bathroom. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So I wasn't getting any sleep. And we're talking at least two months into the, the recovery now. So I haven't slept more than I would imagine three or four hours a night Mm -hmm. over this time period. Um, I'm not really eating all that well. I'm chugging back sodas because I'm trying to keep, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking caffeine will keep me awake and alert, which is the complete opposite, right? But in my mind, that's where I went. I wasn't able to, to really leave the house. My husband leaves. I go back and I met with all of the things that haven't been done. Mm-hmm. And my mom in, in somewhat disarray. Mm-hmm. And I just broke down. I went to my room and I just, I just lost it. I just started bawling. Mm-hmm. And, and then the, the thoughts were in my mind, you're a horrible person. How could you be thinking about your thoughts when your mom is literally fighting for, to, to be alive? Mm-hmm. Like, and on top of it, you're a therapist. Like, pull yourself together, girl. Like, you're supposed to be able to handle this. Mm. So my brain wasn't working at its best because of the lack of sleep, because of the lack of nutrition, because of the lack of support. And I just, it grasped on to these thoughts that were so negative, mm-hmm. right? You're a horrible person for thinking about yourself and your needs. You obviously aren't as good of a therapist as you think you are. You'd be able to handle all of these family dynamics, right? You should be able to shoulder this entire family and well. all of its responsibilities. And, and so I internalized it. I did everything that I know not to do as a therapist 
But at the time, it was a, it was just centered around shame. Mm-hmm. And so I'm a huge journaler, and I had been journaling, and I just started writing, and I just started writing everything down just to get through it. And the last doctor's appointment we went to, she had my mom had made really great progress. Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'm kind of patting, I'm grasping onto anything positive. Where I'm like, good job. Good job, you helped your mom survive, right? Um, and he's like, I'm gonna release you to drive, I'm gonna release you to start doing some more of the daily chores. And we had been working with an occupational therapist mm-hmm. so that they could help her. And so my niece, who was a phenomenal dancer, was doing a recital um, the night before I left. And I said, it'll be good for us to both go out. So we went and we arrived and we sat in the audience, and the moment I sat down, nobody provoked me in any way, but I just, the tears just kept coming. I could not stop the tears. I was doing the whole biting my inner cheeks, right? <laughs> trying to make them stop. I was trying to widen my eyes to create bigger basins so that the <laughs> tears wouldn't come actually on my face, but I couldn't stop it, so I got up, and I found this dark hallway with the bathroom in it, and I just sobbed. And I, mm-hmm. but I couldn't understand why I was sobbing. Mm-hmm. You know, my mom had got great news, and she was out in public, and she was walking around, and but I couldn't stop the tears. And I thought it's good, it's good that I'm leaving. And um, so I left the next day. I left. Nobody said a word to me. Afterwards, I, I, I have no idea what my facial expressions or, you know, how sometimes when after you cry, your eyes get all puffy. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, I have no idea if that's how I looked, but nobody said anything to me. So I thought, OK, good. I've masked that well. Yeah. Oh. And I got home. I got home that night and I was leaving the next morning and it, it really could not have come at a better time. And I thought, okay, Elizabeth Lee, you're gonna have two days to pull it together, right? Cry all you want on the road, in the car. Nobody is going to see you. I I love to sing in the car. I'll be like, I'll just turn up the radio and sing in the car. I'll get to the hotels, nice comfy bed to sleep in. Nobody telling me I can go to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon if I want to. (laughs) Nobody's gonna need anything from me. And then again, I was shocked. I got in my car and not one time did I turn on the radio. I didn't have the emotional energy to turn on the radio. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the emotional energy. Just a heads up that we have five minutes to finish your story. Oh, oh, (laughs) I haven't even gotten to the good part. Um, So I got, I. I didn't turn on the radio once. When I got to the hotel, I never left the room. I got home and I thought, okay, what's happening? You're not all better. And smiling felt like I was lifting 300 pounds. Oh, wow. Talking to people was a major task for me. Mm-hmm. I'm sure that many conversations I had weren't as pleasant as they used to be because I just didn't have the energy behind them. And one day I was out on my porch and I said, I was writing, I was journaling. I thought, I'm just going to look back on my journey and see if I can kind of logically figure this out. 
And I read page after page, Joyce. And there was probably 20 pages when I was talking about killing myself. Mm-hmm. I felt so alone. I felt so disconnected. And I thought, if you were a good person, people would have helped you. You must not be as good of a person. And I just, it was the first time in my life that I had ever thought about killing myself. Mm-hmm. But I did. I thought, my time on earth, I've served my purpose, right? Mm-hmm. So that was. That was really hard to see in my own handwriting that I was talking about killing myself. And I thought, whoa, I've got to do something right now. And so I just started Googling support for caregivers. And while there's amazing um, resources out there to help people learn how to care for the person, there really wasn't much beyond the blog directive of make sure and take care of yourself or ask for help, both of which I was trying desperately to do. Mm-hmm. So I realized that I had to start talking about it. And that was really hard because I didn't want my husband to start looking at me differently and I didn't want my mom to feel like she had done anything wrong. Mm-hmm. But I knew I had to do something. So I texted my husband, I was like, you have to come home. And he came home and I just, through tears, which I'm sure it was barely audible, told him that I was having suicidal ideations and he just hugged me like he's never hugged me before. Mm-hmm. And it was one of the, it was a life defining moment for me to saying, okay, if I can share with someone the depths of, of where I have gotten to the point where I thought I had no value, no more value in this earth, on this earth, then I need to continue telling my story. And so the next person I had to tell was my mom. And here's the really interesting part. I waited until I went back home to check on my mom because I wanted to do a face-to-face. And I shared with my mom how bad my mental health and emotional health had gotten. And she, through her own tears, looked at me and said, I've had those same thoughts. And it was like, whoa, I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. Even though you feel so alone as a caregiver. You feel like the relationships that you had were only in good moments and that in bad moments, you really had nobody but yourself. Mm-hmm. But for two people to share that they had had suicidal ideations because, simply because they loved and cared for other people that was the moment that I knew I had to turn my life around and help other caregivers. Well, this is a tough spot for me to, to close this part of the show, um, but I think it's a good spot because um, obviously things did turn around because we're gonna go on, on to the Totally Well Show and talk about um, the uh, caregiving uh, support that you've learned and now that you're helping other people with. Um, and I'm really sorry that you went through that, but I'm so happy that you've told your story. Thank you. I think it's going to help other people realize they're not alone. Thank you. It's the most I could ask for. Thank you so much. Yeah. So thanks for coming today, and I will see you on the Totally Well Show. Excellent. I look forward to it. Okay.